You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. Tuesday, 13 February, U.S. inflation due 3.30 this afternoon, expected 2.9% versus 3.4% previously. I'm Simon Brown, coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb offices in Houghton, Johannesburg. On the show today, uh, Kieran Witton, he's from Anchor. Uh, the Tesla results are out a few weeks ago. Uh, the, the stock is off somewhat, 50% from those 2021 highs. Now that was a steep valuation. Is there some value creeping in at current levels? Viv Governor from Rand Swiss, that gold and foreign exchange contingency reserve account, $450 billion, uh, should the government be taking some of that. And then Francis Marais, he's from Morningstar South Africa. The upcoming uh, two, three-pot pension system seems set for 1 September. Is it going to happen this time? Because, man, those dates have been moving around. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines from MoneyWeb. After Woolworths Cafe, Woolies reduces cash tills in supermarkets. Retailer says faster checkout at card-only tills. Business day. Anglo starts hunt for lithium assets after a Finnish deal. Uh, mining major enters an agreement to support European countries' battery strategy. Morning markets. US was red. S&P down 0.1%. NASDAQ off is 0.4%. Over in the east, it's... Uh, Mixed and closed. So Sydney is down 0.3%. Tokyo is up 2.4%. And Hong Kong and Tencent remain closed for Chinese New Year. Commodities, they're mixed. Uh, gold is slightly weaker at 2031. Brent is a little higher at 8206. Platinum weaker at 894. Palladium unchanged at 898. Rand 1894. Bitcoin 49,900. Top 40 opening call looking for a red open. 165 points or quarter of a percent down. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. Training now with uh, Karen Witten here, of course, from Anchor. Karen, appreciate the early morning. Those uh, Tesla results, I mean, th- there was lots of moving parts there. They, they delivered, what, 484,000 EVs in Q4. That beat uh, analyst estimates. Perhaps the, the headline that stood out most for me was underwhelming financial results. Your take on, on, on Tesla, and I mean, is, is there some opportunity? Because certainly there's, there's been a saddle from the stock uh, over the last couple of years. Good morning, uh, Simon. Always very good to be on the show. Um, yeah, so Tesla is never far from the headlines. <laughs> and I think, you know, the part of the, the reason that we are discussing it today is because its magnificence is now also perhaps in question. Um, I think you see it all over the financial media at the moment. And investors are actually now trying to to figure out whether it is still part of the so-called Magnificent Seven. Um, and, you know, if we take a step back, what I would certainly say is that Tesla has had many moments like this in its history. It often trades like this. You know, there's periods of massive bid-ups followed uh, with obviously a big rally in its price. And then it does have sharp sell-offs. So, mm. so last year, um, you know, it's down 35% from its 2023 high. In 2022, it was, it was down 72%, though, from its 2021 high. And from there, it rallied 149%. And, and the, what the latest results have shown is that 
investors are now obviously concerned about margin compression. I think part of the reason that justified its high valuation was its attractive margins relative to other car manufacturers. But now these price cuts are obviously taking real uh, dents into the margin and the slowing sales growth at the top line as well is also starting to show as global electric vehicle demand does come under pressure. So, so you've got, you know, there's even in the office, it's very divided. You've got some that say it's a one trick pony, mm-hmm. but what I will say is that it's always been one of the most shorted companies on the S and P throughout its 15,000% rally. So it's never been short of naysayers, but obviously now there is more competition coming out of China who are, who are able to produce these electric vehicles at a lower cost. And the valuation, of course, is always a bit of an overhang. And now I think the question investors really want to know on Tesla is how long is this overhang going to be? And I think, I think being a trader in, in Tesla is very uh, dangerous. I think you need to have a long-term time horizon to hold something like Tesla. And ultimately, I do believe that in the long run, Tesla is going to benefit from a down cycle like this and emerge in an even stronger position uh, once the EV cycle does upturn as other manufacturers are forced to cut back on their EV plans. Yeah, I take your point on that. I mean, EV is definitely part of the future. I just pulled up short interest, 2.85%, which is, I mean, that's, mm. a, that's a chunky number for, for short interest in any, in any particular stock. And, and it certainly has, has had its, its haters. But I, I like your point. I think, yeah, this isn't a trading stock. This is, if you, if you believe in this future, this is a stock to hold. We'll leave it there. Karen Witten from Anchor. Appreciate the early morning. And that's our poll today, LinkedIn and Twitter. Do you hold Tesla? I mean, it's 50% off the 2021 highs. But, I mean, to be fair, it's also well up off the 2023 lows. So it kind of has been all over the place. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter. Your money can do more when it's investing with conviction. Our partnership with J.P. Morgan Asset Management gives you access to in-depth, broad market research and high-return investment strategies. So invest in a select set of companies with long-term structural growth potential with Stanlib's Global Growth Fund. Seek more returns at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanley Bassett Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. I'm chatting with Viv Governor from Rand Swiss. Viv, something which I think no one had heard of until late last year, except for true Reserve Bank nerds, the Golden Foreign Exchange Contingency Reserve Account. As I understand, over the last many decades, Saab goes and buys dollars, they buy gold for reserves, those are an important part of an economy, and of course our currency weakens, so they make a profit, a paper profit, importantly, on this. There's now, what, some $450 billion, and uh, of course government suddenly wants to perhaps grow Grab some of it. Uh, yes, that's basically a nice summary of, of, of what uh, this account is. It uh, 
Obviously, if the currency started to appreciate, which would be a nice problem to have, this would obviously be a negative. But uh, at the moment, you're right. As the currency has been steadily depreciating over the last couple of decades, uh, with you know a few bumps here and there, the profits on this particular thing has grown over time. And it is a chunky amount. I mean, make no mistake about it. But is it as simple as just, I don't know, taking some of those profits and returning it to government? Certainly, I mean, this is not unheard of in other countries, but uh, does it not impact our general reserves, which the IMF already says are kind of at the low end? In a way, if you look at it from the point of view of those that argue that we should be doing this, the argument is that if the currency was appreciating, government would be paying into this particular fund. Mm-hmm. The fact that the currency is depreciating means that the government basically is making a profit and therefore should actually be getting access to these funds or have access to these funds. And if people that go against it say, like, you know, it's a slippery slope and we do have problems down the line. But, I mean, it is the government. It is the thing that runs the country. You know what I mean? And so the idea would be that, you know, they should technically be the ones that make these decisions. Perhaps the concerns more than anything is, let's be clear, our government, which has had uh, corruption and state capture. If we remove that from the process, perhaps it would be sort of something which would be more palatable for many. Oh, yeah, most certainly. Uh, the only issue is that it is the government. It is the decision-making body for the country. And, you know, mm. there should not be a, a party above the government saying this is how things should or should not run. You know, this is the elected body of the country. And I believe, you know, if you get the votes, you have the right to make mm-hmm. these decisions. It's not up to somebody else to make decisions on behalf of you, you know. And therefore, I do think Fair that, point. you know, from that point of view, it is the right thing to do for them to be, it's going to be the working one decisions. But as you are correct in saying, this particular government has not done the right thing, you know, historically, and therefore there could be a danger around that. And perhaps the solution is more of a process. At this point, it seems to be ad hoc. I mean, I was digging back. The government was adding money back in in 2003, 2004, when we saw Rand strength. But a sort of a law that says if it gets amount X, you slice some off to kind of remove that idea of frantic sort of scrambling for cash. Most certainly. I do think that you know, this is a substantial amount of money. And even though obviously we have major issues in this country, uh, it is enough money to make a difference. You know, mm-hmm. we're talking, if you take about even a tenth of this year, it would make a substantial difference to our deficit. Obviously, the deficit is a flow and not a stock like our debt is, but it is, you know, a substantial amount of money that could make a difference in terms of that. The process would be, I'm imagining, so if they did return this to government, they would then be going into market and turning those dollars into czar. That could see quite a fair bit of rand strength over that period. And as you say, even just a tenth, that's 45 billion. Yeah. And look, I mean, there's a couple of ways to do it, but yeah, that, that would be a good way to do it. Uh, you know, getting some dollar out there from these dollars would be one way, you know, uh, printing money effectively. The question then arises is that what is this account used for? You know, the thing with it is that we don't really intervene in the foreign exchange market. South Africa does not go out and try and support the RAND or weaken the RAND or, or control it in much of a way. And so the argument would be like, you know, what danger are you incurring by doing this? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That being said, obviously, if there was some kind of major issue globally or something, these reserves would be you know, very important. But we're not like China intervening on a regular basis in the market to try and make sure that the currency stays within a certain range. I take your point. I think the last time we intervened was 98 under Chris Stoltz, and it cost us billions, and the rand is still weakened. A last point, you mentioned printing money, and of course, everyone's ears pick up at that because that's typically inflationary. But in this case, you're printing money that is backed by money so it wouldn't be inflationary in the traditional sense oh yeah most certainly i mean i'm not saying this is going to be just like normally like sort of the print on number kind of thing going for <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. For the <laughs> but i do think that you know you do basically 
like you said, run that risk that, you know, obviously that money is backed by money. But once something like this does start, it does become a temptation over time. And even though we did say one tenth is only it's 45 billion, one tenth you depleted at that rate goes out in a, in a decade. So it doesn't sound as keen as that. It's a bit of a dilemma here because, like I said, I, I honestly believe that if you're elected by the people of the country, it's yeah. your decision to be made. But in this particular case, you know, there's a reason that we have the separation between the central bank and government usually. Yeah, I take the point. And maybe we need a process in place. But, of course, the best time to have done that process would have been a decade or two ago. Viv Governor and Swiss, always appreciate the insights. Your money knows that reaching new heights means turbulence. When you invest in Stanlib's Global Multi-Strategy Diversified Growth Fund, your money can withstand the unpredictable ups and downs caused by day-to-day market fluctuations. Because our partnership with J.P. Morgan Asset Management gives you access to a broad range of global strategies. Seek more returns at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. Checking now with uh, Francis Murray, product director at Morningstar South Africa. Francis, appreciate the early morning time. Uh, the two-part pension system, or perhaps more correctly, actually a three-part system. We'll get to that in a second. Now seems all set for first of September. It, it needs to get past the pension fund rules. Uh, need to be amended in Parliament. That looks like it'll happen. We might get more details next week in budget, but it does look like we have a go date after a an, a number of delays after the over the last year and a half. Uh, Yes, good morning Simon and good morning to your listeners. Um, Indeed it does look like this will be the second major change to our retirement system. Um, Just as a reminder, we've also had to T-date annuitization changes in 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is a follow-up on that and um, yeah, it's going to be quite intricate and lots of complexity in the system but overall we think it might be a good change um, considering where we are at at the moment. I, I take your point on that. And, and, and the, it, it, there are some complexities, although I suppose in time uh, as citizens will get used to it. But my sense of it is that broadly what this means is that two-thirds of your pension money is you just can't touch it until age 55 regardless. Uh, the other third you can draw down once a year. And the difference there is that right now folks can access it, although at, at, at huge tax implications potentially. Yeah, that's, that's correct. So if you are a part of an employer-sponsored um, pension fund, you can obviously access some of your benefits whenever you resign or change in, in employer. That will obviously then cease to exist under this new regime, and you will be forced to preserve up to that two-thirds um, of your savings going forward, which we which we believe is a very, very positive development. Naturally, you, you would then have access to a third of your, your savings, um, which we can debate, um, but that is that is essentially what's going to be happening. Yeah, and, and that third, I mean, the logic there is to, to stop people leaving jobs to access their money, but also to force that savings. And, and, and the stark reality is that sometimes things happen in life and, 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 and we do need a bit of a stopgap. And this is where it comes in. Importantly, if you take money out, because, of course, you get a tax benefit when your money goes into your Reg 28 product. If you take money out now, that's going to be added back to your income. So there will be a, 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 a tax ultimately paid on it. Correct. So you will have the benefit, obviously, of earning um, investment returns that won't be taxable. But as soon as you withdraw money from that um, savings spot, that will be added back to your, your 
uh, taxable income and you will be taxed at your, at your normal marginal tax rates. Uh, I think the savings plot does create some resilience in the system. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very easy to, to understand that if you are a household and you're going through some particularly difficult periods, it might make sense to, to have access to that. I think it's also a very clever way from government to create resiliency in the system by not contributing some of their own reserves. We obviously know that government is fiscally constrained mm-hmm. and then putting the owners on retirement savers to sort of finance their own flexibility and resilience. Obviously then that's only applicable to people that actually do save towards retirement. It doesn't really help people that has no retirement savings. No, that's a fair point. We, 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 there is a, a large chunk of South Africans who probably have saved little to nothing. What about existing money? I've been contributing to a Reg 28 product over the last many, many decades. How does that work within this two-part system? That, that in a sense almost is, is maybe the first part in the process because the note you put out did say it's kind of a three-part. My existing funds, where do they go? Yeah, that's right. So your existing funds, to, so pre-1 September 2024, will go into a vested pot. Now, some of us might already have a vested and a non-vested pot because of the T uh, data neutralization in 2021. Um, but essentially, everything before 1 September goes into that vested pot. Um, it's going to be very complex because you will have multiple vested pots now. Um, and, and that's where your money will go. And that will obviously be susceptible or un, um, under the old rules. Um, and then everything um, going forward from 1 September will then be allocated one third to your savings pot and one third or two thirds to your retirement pot. So there's essentially, there could be a couple of scenarios. There could be one pot for people that's already 55 years and older. They can choose not to participate in this. Mm-hmm. Then for new people entering the labor market and that will be, receive their first payment um, after 1 September, they will essentially only have two pots. So that's a new savings pot and new um, retirement pot. And then for, I think, the vast majority of us, we'll probably have three pots, which would be the vested pot, um, all your savings pre-1 September 2024, and then the new savings and retirement pot going forward. And and, and that pot from, from, from the existing monies that we have uh, pre-1 September the, uh, 2024, we, we're going to be capped, if, if my memory serves, uh, 10% or 30,000. So we're not going to be able to draw down the entire bunch ahead of our retirement. You're right. So you can use, you'll obviously use some of that money to finance your savings spot. Um, I think that's also a risk, right? So if you look at some of your younger um, savers um, and saving specifically via retirement annuity, mm-hmm. that's never had access or that could never access the money, even if they um, resign and change employer, they would essentially um, gain access to 10% of, the, of their savings now. So let's say you're a young saver, you've saved via retirement annuity, um, you have 300,000 rand already saved. Um, on 1 September 2024, you would essentially have access to 10% of that of that savings. Now, that's obviously a risk, um, and hopefully we won't see a lot of our younger savers access um, and use that 10% um, if they don't need to. Yeah, I, I take your point. The, the, the money most definitely better off spent inside and left left for time. Let the time work its hard work. We'll leave it there. Francis Murray, Head of Product, Morningstar, South Africa. Appreciate the early morning. MoneyWeb at Midday is South Africa's fastest-paced audio news and current affairs show. Give me 30 minutes and I'll give you the country and the world. This is what you missed. Jeremy, if you take a very long-term view you know, and you compare South Africa today to 30 years ago, on many fronts, the country is in infinitely better place. We don't live in that country that used to exist, particularly from a perspective of political participation and civil liberties. Live at noon weekdays and then up as a podcast on moneyweb.co.za. Moneyweb at Midday with me, Jeremy Max, when you need relevant news quickly in your own time. 
That's it for today. We're chatting with Keith McLaughlin yesterday, yesterday from uh, Integral Asset Management, talking about local education stocks. He reminded me after the show, there are actually uh, two other stocks with some education sort of lurking in them, termination, termination rather, and then of course Process NASPAS. But we were looking at the pure plays, Advertech, Stadio and Curo, and we asked which you preferred. Uh, third said, actually, no, no education for you. Uh, and a quarter said you liked Advertech. The rest was split between Stadio and Curo. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning, the MoneyWeb website and the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie, Nubochle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their time. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. If you're loving the show, please leave us a positive rating in your podcatcher of choice. And we'll chat again tomorrow. Retail trends amid declining growth. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now. On the money.